Hi, this is Greg Anderson, and this is the Living in Carver County podcast, an insider's conversation with the people who make Carver County the best place to live, work, and raise a family. Today, I'm lucky enough to be sitting in a beautiful, sunny dining room area on 10 acres of beautiful trees full of birds and bird feeders, and just it's just absolutely gorgeous. I'm at the home of Roger and Jan Storms in uh, Western Carver County, or in uh, Western Chaska. And uh, Roger, thank you so much for letting me come out today. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. So what we like to do before we get going is maybe just give people a little sense of who you are, your background, you know, where'd you grow up and how is it that you came to be where you are today? Okay, my name is uh, Roger Storms. I was born in a farmhouse um, three miles south of Cologne in uh, 1941. And so that gives me a few long teeth, you know. <laughs> some experience. Uh, some experience. Uh, I um, uh, went to ch- church and school in um, Cologne at St. Bernard's. And, um, and as part of being a you know, family in those days, I'm the oldest of 12 children. And uh, so uh, I had chose to leave home when I was 17 years old and joined the Army. Okay. So... Uh, that was my first um, experience of getting away. But as soon as my service was over, I came back to Cologne and uh, started my career as an electrician in Minneapolis. And um, in 68, I uh, joined this company, Sterling Electric. And and as you would know, the, you mature. And, I, uh, and um, I became a project manager for them. And we were the largest electric contractor in the 80s and 90s in uh, Minneapolis-St. Paul, and I was the president of it from 83 for about 18 years, and, and I retired in the early 2000s. And um, So that's the basis of my story. The, to relate to the city of Cologne... Um, well, wait a second. Before we talk about Cologne, we'll get there. Mm-hmm. But I want to talk a little bit about... Um, now, I understand that you had some pretty high-profile jobs in your electrical career. That was one... I, your name has come up more than anybody in the course of starting this podcast. You know, I'm asking for recommendations of people. Uh-huh. I said, well, who do you think? You know, of all the people that I've talked to, and your name keeps coming up over and over and over again. And one of the things that somebody told me is that you had a... Um, Pretty in the '80s, you had a pretty high-profile job that you guys did the wiring on downtown. Is that accurate? Well, the, the, the first one in the 1980 was because we, I remember bidding it in May of 1980, and it was uh, the Metrodome, and the um, you know this elaborate uh, fabric ceiling and all the lighting and stuff. And we had a we were our union was on strike with us, so I had the time to actually estimate it you know because it's such an unusual uh construction we were we got the job and well it turned out to be a successful uh venture um you know the, i was the project manager but through that experience i got to be recognized by the owner of the company and in 83 then i became as um so that was, was kind a, of a stepping stone right for you, that from was a how you, career path you get that and and you know you you think about uh your life lessons like one of the things was um, in that project they had a restriction on the lighting couldn't weigh more than this amount of pounds I think it was 64 pounds per fixture sure um, because you're on you, an you had to, roof but you had to be able to carry snow theoretically well that's right <laughs> and um, we were a parochial company um, 
we chose to want to work with a company in Winstead, Minnesota, that made light fixtures that was copying the specified one from England. We didn't want to buy any of that foreign stuff. Okay. And um, but they couldn't meet the weight restriction. However, we came up with a alternative to remote the ballast, and we were going to take a lot of weight off. And in turn, um, the engineer and the architect and the owner said, well, either you put in what we designed or we'll get somebody else. Well, we caved and bought their stuff. Well, 10 days later, they couldn't meet the weight restriction either. And so they made excuses. They have all kinds of contingencies built in. Sure. Except the first three years, the roof came down three times. Uh Uh-oh. And it was because of the weight. And they sued the, the consultants. And they won, and they put in our system, and we took 100,000 pounds of weight off the roof. Oh, my. Uh, the, the covered bridge you admire, the truss from it is one of the trusses for the lighting system. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> Big three-inch pipe, and and the ones the last generation was little three-quarter-inch aluminum tubing. And so, oh, my gosh. Okay. So when you say that, yeah, and the, the one I finished up with then, more or less, would be the uh, the Mall of America. We did the base contractor on it. So. Oh, my. And I remember when that opened, there was just all kinds of statistics about miles. You know, <laughs> they, they did all these kind of weird statistics about how many miles and miles of wiring and cabling. and Oh, I, I, I thought you were going to talk about how many people were going to come to the mall oh. from the miles away. The, um, uh, we were their contractor that we negotiated the project, and so we had to do... Um, several months of pricing versus options, you know. And so we're investing a lot of time in something that may not happen. And I remember seeing a big bullseye on the wall and they had so many millions, well, I don't remember the exact number of people, but uh, so many people were coming from 500 miles away, so many from 1,500, so Mm -hmm. many from 2,500 miles away. And I thought, God, these are dreamers, and I'm investing on this with yeah. my, my company. <laughs> You're right. And you know, it happened. Oh, it did. <laughs> yeah, in commercial real estate... They all, when they when you're looking at properties, they'll strike a trade radius, mm-hmm. and yeah. um, you know for the different things. And the trade, the southern border of what's considered their primary trade area is Kansas City. Yeah, I, I mean, I couldn't believe it. I remember when <laughs> reading all that stuff too, thinking, no, I don't think people are going to drive that far to go shopping. And well, I was wrong. About, I'm wrong about a lot of things. Well, <laughs> and the, the, the thing that we don't recognize is why was it put there? The access to the airport. Sure. Right there, a little hop, you know, over, and the fact that we have no sales tax on clothing. Right. Yeah. Those were huge things. Huge things. things. Okay. Getting off our subject. Yeah, (laughs) but it was just sort of a fun little detour because I was told, ask him about the Metrodome. So, (laughs) so we didn't want to jump off of that. So, talk about your family. Now, you said you you moved back into you've been a Carver County resident, then pretty much other than the times you were in the military. Military, uh, three years. And so, talk a little bit, maybe just about your family. Um, um, I, um, my immediate family, I had, um, there were eight boys and uh, four girls and, uh, they, um, all, um, well, the close, farthest away, it would be like Mankato, but, uh, we all stayed in Carver County and raised our families. And, um, my, um, parents, um, you know, passed away, but, uh, and we were dairy farmers and well, actually when I was, um, growing up. It was a mixed farm. We had hogs and dairy mm-hmm. and ducks. As and you did back and, then, and yeah. Just everything yeah. that you, you you did with that. And, so, and then um, I met my um, wife at a, a wedding of a neighbor. 
She's from uh, Minneapolis. She grew up. City girl. Yeah, city girl. (laughs) um, You know, a Swede. And uh, and I always pick on her that one of the things was that was foreign to my culture is we had to eat eat lutefisk. Oh, sure. And that's one of the tests I had to pass if I could eat that. (laughs) Part of the screening process. (laughs) Yes, yes. See if you were a worthy suitor. So I've had 56 years of um, eating lutefisk. Wow, well, Uh, good for you. So, but, uh, and so then, and we um, established our family. We have four daughters, and um, uh, the eldest is a uh, works as a, for a logistics company on trucking. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second one is a, a nurse in, um, in the Ridgeview Hospital in Waconia. Uh, the third one's an accountant. Uh, she's, in fact, this year she's um, um, the chair of the Minnesota uh, CPA Association. Nice. So she's got Very good. And the fourth one um, is a teacher at Norwich Young America High School and volleyball coach. Okay. Uh, she um, really gets to know the young people. Sure. So, so what, what is it about the community that, you know, I mean, you obviously having a business in Minneapolis and, you know, having kids around and, and presumably grandchildren and things, but what is it that inspires you to stay connected like you have? I mean, you obviously, you know, be successful from a business standpoint, would have been easy for you guys to pick up and move to Florida or Arizona or something. But, you know, what is it that keeps you, keeps you here, that keeps you plugged into Carver County? Well, you, um, you, you said a, a couple of things that provoked my thoughts. One is the location of Carver County and specifically Cologne. We've um, got very deep roots with the agricultural rural community, but we're close enough to a major metropolitan area so you can um, have good jobs, mm-hmm. you know, you earn a good living, good education, uh, all the entertainment, uh, going to a play and, and you know, it's just uh, that that location, location, location. If you're a realtor, mm-hmm. you think of it. Then you go back to the the other thing, the the people. Um, the their, um, uh, you know, when I grew up, it was a very homogeneous um, um, group, of all of the same nationality. Sure. My folks taught Ger- uh, German. Mm-hmm. Um, when I started first grade. Being the oldest, that was my language. And so they recognized that was a problem. So they quit talking to the children in, in German and it's just to each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the, that, that's a, you know, a basic thing. And then when I had the opportunity to go work in Minneapolis, I had a missing link. How do I keep connected with the local uh, community and yes, I could have gone to the bars and stuff, but that, but that wasn't my way. So it was getting involved with the community, and the biggest one is um, forty-six years ago we started a Lions Club in Cologne. Okay, people from all different backgrounds and stuff, and you're looking to serve and solve problems for you know your community and also worldwide with uh, a site and diabetes and those kinds of things. So that got me to have both worlds to keep in touch with Cologne. And then when I um, retired... So while you were working then, was Lions kind of your epicenter for uh, the civic connection? Yes. Okay. Yes, yes. That was, that was it. And I should say that um, my business side of the world, um, I was involved with other uh, ventures that were... Um, Related to my, you know, being of service to my community, 
I served on the Dunwoody board. It was the oh. school I went to for nine years. Sure, the trade and, school in Minneapolis. And, right, and then I, uh, when I got done with my nine years, because you know it's good to to keep trading people out, mm-hmm. you know, and um, then you get the new ideas and stuff. So then I went to um, one of my customers was Methodist Hospital. So I served on the Park Nicollet Foundation board for nine years and getting to know um, that kind of. Uh, of an experience of service. And um, one of the things that um, I married my um, uh, work experience to the need was we established um, uh, clinics in four high schools um, that they, people could, the students, they were students, uh, mm-hmm. to come to without any questions, any resources, no things. And the doctors volunteered their time and stuff, but you had to build these facilities and I was able to, put the contractors together and, and do that. And so then when I got done with that, then I, um, I was appointed a trustee of my church, St. Bernard's in Cologne. Mm-hmm. And uh, through that, we had a, a pastor that uh, said that if you aren't growing, you're, you're dying. You know, went backwards. Mm-hmm. So you had to do all that motivating stuff and, um, and uh, expand the facilities and stuff like that. And that married with my construction background, having been at many, many architect owner meetings to how do you solve problems and how, do you, how does an owner assess what they really want? You sure. know, they, it's, it's a difficult thing, but you have to get that out. And so that helped me um, a great deal with, um, uh, with the clone community. And I think it's um, eight or nine years now, um, I was asked to join the board of the Carver County Community Foundation. Again, now more local and mm-hmm. stuff in that. And five years ago, I, I started a Cologne Community Fund, just oh. focused on the city of Cologne. Um, I should, pausing here to think a little bit, one of the things is my um, efforts with the Lions was that the um, um, it was civic celebration in Cologne. It was um, I may you may have to edit this out, but it was a Blue and Days. Okay. And it was based on Busty Betty. Okay. And also the, we had a lot of drag shows and stuff. And it just, <laughs> just got <laughs> just got out of hand. Who knew? <laughs> it's it always the quiet ones. <laughs> it, got, it, it got out of hand, and so. Um, a couple of the employers in town said, knock it off. Okay. And so we didn't have anything for two years. And so then I, I approached my Lions Club. I said, we need to do something because a major event the Lions had was a softball tournament. Mm-hmm. And that money always went to <laughs> diabetes research. And so that was dwindling down okay. because we didn't have. And so I suggested that the city of Cologne had a, a hybridizer of gladiolas and peony flowers. Okay. And from 1920 to 65, when he passed away, that was Mr. Lins. And I said, one of his flowers was gladiolas. Okay. Slang for gladiolas is glads. Right. Let's call it glad days. Okay. So we had a, a successful little uh, celebration. And first year, we put banners in our uh, main street on our poles and mm-hmm. their gladiola flowers and just completely different and we aren't advertising anything other than clone was established in 1881 and um, so then the next year we made a little money and we what do we do with it and so we started a um, uh, 
I started a community garden. It was a three-quarter acre triangle piece in Cologne that was property identification unknown. Okay. And so we um, found out who the owner was. There was the, the church owned it. They didn't know they owned it. And they that's said, that little piece that's across from St. Bernard's by yes, the east end of, right, the, yeah, of the lake uh, there? Benton Lake Garden. Yeah. And I, so I started that, and that's been going on 16 years now. And so this is how you can engage the community because when people walk into the garden with me, they lose all their troubles. They aren't complaining about their kids or the weather or anything. Hi, you see the butterflies here and stuff? It's just a completely different atmosphere. So I just got real rewards from doing that. And now, how many people are involved with that now at this point? Well, um, not as many as it should be. Okay. Because, you know, and now you're approaching 80 years old, you you worry about uh, how will this be continued on. And, um, you know, it's like um, when I said earlier, you should be transferring your people out of um, different Like the, what you said at the Dunwoody, the nine you, years, it's time to cycle through. And out of the pail, the water closes it all off. Something, but the room for somebody new. Mm-hmm. And... I um, haven't been able to find that person because, first of all, there's a little fear they're going to make a mistake. Okay. You know, so I, um, I've i established this Cologne Community Fund so that there are at least the people that follow me won't have to take money out of their pocket. Okay. And, and through that effort, we've um, now looked at bigger projects and, uh, you know, new So things. how do they get funding then? Is it... Well, my, my pocketbook. Your pocketbook. Okay. Yeah, so well, you're, the, 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 you're the Cologne fund well, <laughs> at the, this the, point. The Lions give me a couple hundred dollars if I have a, a project or something, but it's basically about an $800 expense to buy new plants and equipment okay. and stuff. So, But that's, that's looking at the, the future. Mm-hmm. And so this year, now we started looking at that I got the fund established um, that we can do other things. So we had a community uh, event at one of the our manufacturers in town, uh, of Modern Design. It's a, a high-end cabinet maker, mm-hmm. 50 employees, and and they just... I, yeah, 50, they, okay, so yeah, they're, they, that's a pretty good operation at yes, this point. Yes, and, yeah. and very high-end. I mean, they really are. And they put on this new addition, and I approached the owners, they're like 50 years old, a uh, man and a wife, and I said... We would like to do a partnership of uh, introducing um, the um, Cologne Community Fund, and um, there'd be a way for them to have the people that pass by their shop every day. It's right on Main Street. Mm-hmm. Um, they could stop in and say hello and look at it and see what they do, and it worked out just wonderfully. And and through that, we we got eleven thousand dollars in donations. Oh wow! Well. You know, people give you money to use. So in January now, I, our clone uh, baseball team, um, the Hollanders, you know, uh, put a new scoreboard up, and now they have to raise money to pay for it. And so they um, they offered a four by six board like you see in the mm-hmm. small town. Um, yeah, the small for, town ball advertising yeah, for, stuff for for se- uh, for seven years for five thousand dollars. So I did that. Well, you know, I'm getting all kinds of feedback. They didn't even know who this Cologne Community Fund is, so we hope to grow it and do other things. Uh, Very good. Uh, so. Okay, so I'm I'm trying to keep track of all of this. So you've got the <laughs> Lions, 
You got St. Bernard's. You got the foundation. Are you involved anymore with the Carver County Foundation, or have yes, you shifted I'm, everything I'm, towards the Cologne Foundation? Well, that, that's I have a fund with with the Carver County Community Foundation. I'm still serving the board of um, the Carver County Community Foundation. Okay, maybe talk a little bit about that. What's what? I think there's a lot of people that don't even know there is a Carver County Foundation, and that's really kind of the purpose of the podcast here is that we can. You know, we make people aware of things that, you know, have been there that are that are functioning that maybe they just haven't, you know, they're, they're big people are busy with work or whatever. Um, so talk a little bit about the foundation. Well, what What's the mission? And um, First of all, uh, community foundations, uh, there's really their sole purpose is to help you fulfill your own philanthropic goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, they um, There are some people that have wealth. They don't know how to give their money away. So they will start up a fund and ask the board, "Will you distribute it to me for mm-hmm. me for you know the fund?" Just for like, screening applications, screening and, them, you know, make sure that it is done right, and so and that after I'm no longer here to watch what you're doing, I'll know it to continue. So that's the the the, the first thing that uh, what a community foundation will do versus um, um, other well, very good funds and foundations like a church mm-hmm. or the hospital, they're focused on just their own right. mission. This can be any um, worthwhile effort that, that you want to do want to do with it. So and so it takes people to manage this and to be able to answer questions, to go forward. Um, um, and you know the, the the thing about it is it takes a long time for these funds to get established. Uh, if, um, a, um, a person that's 60 years old says, I want to set up this fund, but it'll be with the residual of my estate. Well, they live for another 28 years. Sure. I mean, then it starts going. Um, and so that, that, that is why it, you have to have this patience to keep on working to expand it. It's now a little over 10 years old, the, the fund. And so it's, um, it's growing. We were an all-volunteer organization, and a year ago in June, July, we became part of the community giving organizations, which has about eight community foundations under its umbrella, and they manage like $160 million. So now we have some efficiencies of scale. We can do the, the computer, computer programs. Uh, it's just so exciting to be able to get online and see what my... Uh, record of my funds and all this stuff right online versus having to call one of our fellow board members and uh, whenever they're available, six weeks later you get it back. Sure, sure, sure. It's just, so that's uh, all part of our growth and so. So, so, okay, so let me ask you, so what motivated you to do this? I mean, you're a successful guy, you've got, you, you know, you've got a ton of um, uh, siblings and presumably dozens and dozens of nieces and nephews and mm-hmm. four daughters and son-in-laws and grandchildren and all that. What what motivates you to stay plugged in like you are? Because I, it, that's the part I think that's so amazing is that you're you know you're still really active in the community and things. So what what's that? Where's that come from? You know, I'm looking out of the window and I see the nice white snow and the cold up here. Why would I want to stay here in the winter when a lot of my peers uh, are south? It's pretty nice here. <laughs> it's a pretty nice place. When you, when you, when you think of that 
and but it, but it's that how do you keep connected with people um you know it, it just uh, you, you become a resource in fact uh, i explained um earlier about um doing this church edition and the refurbishing of this 140 year old church mm-hmm. and um i got a call this week from uh, a church in watertown they want to do something like that and as soon as uh, they can set up a meeting. They'd like to have me talk to them about how do you process this stuff? Well, it's just a, a way of sharing your experience. When you belong to a foundation like this or, mm-hmm. um, or the Lions, you can, um, you, can, you can share your experience of how do you do projects and how do you organize things. Um, I've um, had the privilege of leading a lot of the, the things for my Lions Club. First of all, I had the time. But secondly is that when you're a, a contractor, you have to have establish a schedule. And so you, you always look, what do I need in place before I go to the next step? And so you never want to be back in a corner when somebody says, oh, you didn't think of this? No, you think of all those things. And this dialogue just gets you to know people and to talk to them. And uh, so I don't know if I'm answering your question. Yeah, or... I, you know, I, I was thinking about like at a core level, you know, is it... Is it something you're called to because of your faith? Is it just the way you were wired? I mean, who who set the example for you that to um, to, to be such a contributing member of the community? I would guess that it started with my father. You know, a farmer. You know, raising twelve children and stuff. He's but, probably a little busy. <laughs> yes, but he was involved with the church, and we had at that time, um, I think it was formed in 1923, a clone community fund. You know, they basically kept up the dance hall pavilion and those kinds of things. So it was not a burden of taxes on the city. And uh, so you, you get that watching him, you know, do that. Mm-hmm. And, and he was on the uh, township uh, board of supervisors. So you, you get that, that giving back uh, that way. But um, the, um, how should I say this? There's a, a, such a, a diversity of people. Like when you go out and ask people for money, you know, you, you have to make, you're, you're selling them on what's in it for them mm-hmm. or what's in it for their livelihood or their community or, you know, their vibrancy. Uh, everybody wants good value, but you still have to open their eyes and sell them on these um, ideas. And so I, I get um, great reward from that and, and never uh, feel bad that, um, uh, if they say they can't uh, contribute, mm-hmm. because everybody's got a different level. Uh, some may not, all of a sudden, it'll be five years from now, they'll think. But you put planted the seed, and you got to allow mm-hmm. that to grow. So, uh, um, and the um, it also forces you to open your eyes if you have a, a single mother, and she's got a, a, a child that has... Um, um, you know, like difficulty learning or those kinds of uh, things. And you, you set up uh, things where we'll, we'll have a, a rotating process where we bring a meal once a week or something. You know, we've done that. Uh, the you see a need and, and yes, try, right. to, it just, try to solve it. it. Is, if you're alone, you don't get to see those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, the people that I, this is the thing that I really come to love about Carver County. And I, 
try to explain it to people in a, and it seems sometimes a little airy for them. You know, sometimes people look at me like I'm speaking another language, but, you know, we talked about, I call it a garage door community, you know, where you like, you see a car drives into a neighborhood (laughs) and the garage door goes up and the car goes in and the garage door goes down and lights go on. and, And in the morning, it's just a reverse. And the thing that I've come to really love about Carver County is how, if if it, and people, there are people here obviously that do that, right? I oh, mean, yes. just a mile away from here, there's neighborhoods, and I'm sure there's a lot of people. But I think they leave a lot on the table. You know, they leave a lot. They 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 give up a lot of the of of what's available to them by not availing themselves of all the opportunities to do that because it's really a higher. It's a, it's, you know, if you go back to Maslow's higher, hierarchy of learning, I mean, there's, it's a higher level of actualization mm-hmm. where you're making contribution. And what I'm so impressed with, you know, and, you know, the things I've heard about you and, you know, obviously when, when I get to talk to Elroy and Bob and Barb and, you know, there's from people that, mm-hmm. that you know, um, is that that's this common thread that runs yes. through this community. And I'm just always so taken by that. And so I try to kind of find the common thread. You know, what's that thread that causes, you know, people to be engaged like this, but then you go to other communities and people don't have that sense of, of, of wanting to contribute. And, yeah. you know, it's, you it's know, parents. Was, and that's why I was kind of poking you on that I was thinking about that, you know, your garage door thing. Um, this will be maybe 16, 17 years ago. Um, we had a, a, a pavilion in Cologne. And it was used for dances and parties, and our lions used it for fundraisers. But uh, the restrooms were getting a little bit tacky. So we um, suggested the lions we would um, have thirty, forty $40,000, we could fix up the restrooms. And mm-hmm. one of our members said, well, before we do that, why don't we have the hire an engineer to look at the building? Does it have accessible codes? Does it have any mold in it or anything? And said, yeah, that's a good idea. So we gave $5,000 to the city and they hired this engineer. First thing he noticed was the roof members were failing. They had, as it turned out, they had four levels of uh, asbestos oh. shingles on and a metal roof on it. Oh and they were failing. And so they they put jacks under to hold it. Well, they jacked it so that they tore the trusses apart. Well, now it was no good. <laughs> so the, um, okay, smart guys, you started this. How are we going to replace it? So they, um, we, the new development in town said, well, if you build it in our area, the new city hall, uh, we'll, um, um, we'll give you the land and uh, pay for the architect uh, to the city. So now how do you communicate this to the city, the citizens? So they asked me, well, you started this, yes, you know, <laughs> and, and you get construction in your background about what you could build. So we had a, a community meeting and I was the leader for it and I had 80 people there or something. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden the man raised his hand. Well, where was this old pavilion that you're talking about? It's still up. I said, it's under the water tower. And he says, where's the water tower? What is a more focal thing about in your town to know where the water tower is? I mean, it sits up there. But that's the thing. They oh, yeah. drive in at night, go off in the morning. They never right. participate in the community. Well, and, and people, you know, they're, they, you know, the kids, I mean, I don't know, you know, I grew up on a farm too, like you did, milk and cows and stuff. And, you know, my folks didn't worry about my soccer, you know, a soccer schedule or anything like that. I, 
I was involved in sports, but I don't think my parents ever came until I was in high school. I was on varsity. Well, then they decided to come. But yeah. other than that, you know, they weren't driving us places. And I think, you know, there's just a different culture now where you're, oh, you're you know, you've got kids that are in yes. sports and things. And so they're, they're, it's just a different focus. And, and they, they don't get that community connection like we were talking about before we went online. About yeah, because you know, like my sports was getting together with the neighborhood kids, and we out in the pasture. We had baseball and you know those yeah. kinds of things, or toboggan sliding down the hill in the winter. That was our entertainment. Uh, mm-hmm. So you really got to know your neighbors. Um, where now, without porches, people don't talk to each other. Sure, that idea of community and. Yeah. And I think, like you said, I think it's um, it, it's just so important. So, so but for so for you, so what other things are you involved with, or what do you th- what are some of the things that really excite you about what's going on with Cologne at this point? Um, I'm a, a member of a Southwest Transportation Coalition, and what our major effort is to continue the four lane highway from Carver to Cologne. Mm-hmm. Um, we believe that in 2021, they'll start uh, construction. And the major part of our effort is to um, do the lobbying, you know, get support from the businessmen saying why is it important to them so we can carry that to St. Paul and to Washington, D.C. to get funding for this. We think we've got that portion. That'll just open up the, the world it's like the old days when you got the canal that came to your your town or and, and put a new lock and dam on the river you know it was your way of, of communicating and, well and it, know, it's an exponential elevation too in terms right, of what it does and that'll bring so many new people you know and and the the, the excitement of the different cultures that you'll uh, see it is just uh, it'll change you know mm-hmm. i i think that is a very positive thing and when i i just had a effort we because we're going at um, a construction day at the capitol where we go and lobby mm-hmm. and stuff and um I, so i solicited from the clone businesses you know what does it mean to you and it's just the most beautiful letters of saying you know i got this many employees and their safety of getting there or our our um, charter school Mm-hmm. Um, 600 some students in uh, Cologne that um, uh, talking about the safety on uh, Highway 212 when the farmer brings out his combine because he's got no other way to get to his other farm mm-hmm. and he's slowing down traffic and then impatient people we are we everybody's trying to pass and how that danger to the children you know and so it's a um, that's a that's a new thing that I'm involved with and, okay. So, long term, do you what do you see Cologne as? Do you think it a, do you think it'll stay a small town that's kind of next small town out, or are you imagining at some point? Of, are you are you going to think of it as almost a suburb? Or um, I guess uh, because of the distance we are away from uh, Minneapolis, I think it, let's say it's um, two thousand population now. You know, we're in the middle of doing a census. It was like sixteen hundred um, ten years ago. Um, I think if we get to like five thousand, that'll be uh, kind of the uh, you know kind of the, the core capacity of, of... That, that'll because um, the um, the distance and the number of people, which is gives you the opportunity to then have um, more vibrant services to the 
you know, the, sure. the, the, the yeah, it top. becomes kind of a chicken and egg conversation. You right. need a certain number of rooftops in order to support the business, but the the people coming out want to have some services there or access That's to right, things, Carol. whether it's food or uh, you know other types of personal services. So that, yeah, and so um, the, you know that is a you know the, to me that's an exciting thing. Um, you know, there's others that will say, oh, we're going to have those people here? You know, that's uh, kind of that educational thing. You have to get them, allow them to experience different people and different cultures and bring what they can. So Yeah, and that's, always, that's a challenge everywhere. You know, it's just change is always difficult. Yeah. People say they like change, but that's really BS. They like the change that they know about, <laughs> that they think that they want. And, and yeah. so, um, so, yeah, it'll... But, I think generally, if people are thoughtful and and and, um, and what people need to recognize is that your children want to have a place to live. Well, there's your neighbors want to, children have to have a place. That's how you create this growth. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking as we were talking about this, the my um, earlier statement about being close enough to the metro area to have good paying jobs. Many of these things you can't do if you don't have a good job. Mm -hmm. And that's why when I had this partnership with Modern Design to open up this thing was to say on that, you know, there's three things that make a, a good community. One is the um, um, good government, good schools, things we pay taxes for. Mm -hmm. Then another one is the um, a good job, a way to earn a living. And then all the the service organizations, the nonprofits, the, the lions, your churches, the hospital, uh, those kinds of things. But you can't do them unless you have a good uh, source of income mm -hmm. so that you can share with your community. Sure. So that, that's what makes Cologne unique and that we're, we're small enough and have, you know, people that can talk about being here 100 years, you know, and, and those that come, oh, I've been 100 days I'm here. Sure. You know, and so how do you create that dialogue? Okay. So what would be one thing you'd want people to know about Cologne? If somebody had never heard of Cologne other than the one in Germany and uh, they were thinking about moving out here or just, you know, experiencing it, you know, if you could just, you know, we call it the beer question. If you were sitting in someone's living room and you had one thing that you want them to know about Cologne, what would that be? Well, you led me with that beer question. <laughs> um, in uh, 1938, there was a, a doctor in Cologne that was leaving the community and did a, a video. You can uh, go online and really? uh, do a clone movie. And in 1938, and uh, some of their si siblings found it in an attic, and they gave it to the Minnesota Historical Society, and they saw it was such good quality of the life of a community in 1938. And so the, um, uh, they sent it to the National Archives in D.C., they digitized it and put a little background music to it. And the, the message is written out when she's writing in a journal. Okay. And she's talking about what's happening. And Stephanie got lots of pictures of the, whether it's thrashing or the bar or Mr. Moorbacher making turtle soup or uh, whatever. But the closing uh, statement of the movie is everybody in Cologne drinks beer. 
I'm, I'm telling you why you led me to, to, to that. that was a happy accident. Well, I don't see that on the sign. No. I've been on 212 well, a lot. Well, in fact, we had a, a celebration of this and when the, the TV station from Cologne, Germany, when they posted it online, a TV station from Cologne, Germany came out and did a oh, program on and we um, showed the movie and we had a celebration. There were some people got offended when we oh, for took pictures out. underneath the sign, everybody in Cologne drinks beer. Oh. You know? <laughs> uh, but that's uh, um, you know, the, the other side of that issue. Sure, sure, um, sure. But, the, uh, um, but, but that is a, um, a, a way of, of, of communicating, you know, having the, you know, this, a social you know, yeah. to, no. to get together. I, I, grew, I grew up in a German, you know, Norwegian town. I understand the concept. It's not, yeah. we're not, so, it's so when you not like, a, we're not, cha- you know, they're not uh, uh, praising raging alcoholism. It's no. more about community coming together. Right. The modern version of that would basically be coffee. Yes, yes. Yeah. You know, c- yeah. community coming together. It's a place where you sit and you, you know, pause yeah. and yeah. connect Instead with another person. Five dollar um Coffee cup, you have a five dollar glass of beer. Yeah, you have know? <laughs> fancy beer, apparently. <laughs> well, when, you, when you go to the breweries and stuff. Oh yeah, well that's true. Yeah, you know, yeah. Aaron, just, Aaron's like that, five. That's on but, sale. <laughs> the uh, uh, what would be the number one thing? I, I think it's really the people, you know. And they um, once you. Um, they're willing to to listen to you about what are you trying to do here and uh, that kind of stuff and and they'll pitch in and uh, help you. So. That's nice. That's nice, Roger. I appreciate all the time you've been very generous and and like I said, you were you were the you're the most requested person oh, that I should talk to. <laughs> so I was I'm delighted that we were able to squeeze this in today and I'm, I'm I really appreciate um, you inviting me out and opportunity to see your beautiful property here. Okay, thank you.